Welcome to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. This is Luke Stampini. Today, we have David Lake from InsideTheU.com, our Miami Hurricanes website on the 24-7 Sports Network. David, welcome in. We're going to talk a little Miami Hurricanes, Florida Gators, week zero action. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, it's uh, it's nice having a, a nice uh, early season game like this to kick off the year That's gets fo- both fan bases excited and Week zero, I think that's a cool twist. Uh, going to be the only show in town that day, and and it's going to be exciting for my from the Miami perspective to see how things go with with the kickoff of the Manny Diaz era. Early betting lines on the cut, uh, game has Florida favored by seven and a half. I feel Florida can win by double digits. Prove me wrong. Convince me that I'm not that I'm not uh, right on that uh, guess there. Yeah, you you could be you could be right with that. I think. Seven and a half, to be honest, is a fair line. Um, I think if you're, you know, if you're a Miami fan, you you would feel good about making that bet with with giving Florida a touchdown, and you and you still win the bet. Um, I would say, I think the game could definitely be closer than seven and a half because I believe in Miami's defense. I think their defense can definitely keep things close. Uh, you know, last year they were one of the the best defenses in the country. They return a lot of their key pieces from that defense, um, and you know we'll get we'll get more into the nitty gritty on on what the defense does well, what they don't do well. But in general, I think in a season opener like that where things are just tight, I would bet on Miami's defense making the game tight as well. Sure, and one of the questions for Florida entering this season is their offensive line. They have to replace four new starters there. And we're just not sure what that unit's going to be like. And you mentioned betting on Miami's defense, uh, keeping this game tight. Specifically, the defensive line. It seems like Miami has some strong defensive ends in particular uh, that could potentially give Florida some issues on on that offensive line that is, you know, still a work in progress. Yeah, I think the big key. So Miami's defense is built. It's a small defense, but it's a fast and quick defense. So when they face a team that plays behind a big, strong offensive line and has a talented running back, like last year Miami played against Boston College, who had one of the best offensive lines in the country and one of the best running backs, Miami struggled to stop that, that attack because Miami's just not built to play those games in a phone booth. Uh same with Wisconsin in the bowl game. Wisconsin, always one of the best offensive lines, and they have a very good running back. And again, Miami struggled to play in the phone booth. And I think you could say that, too, about the LSU game. Um, I think last year's Florida offensive line, Miami would have struggled with. I think that was a you know big, strong veteran group. They had a, a good, strong stable of running backs. And, and Miami, if to, to try and stop that power run game, Last year's defense probably would have struggled. I think, you know, this year Florida does have a good running back. I'm a big LaMichael P. Ryan fan. He's he's definitely a good in-between-the-tackles running back. And the offensive line is just an unknown. And I think, you know, the big key for Miami in this game is going to be stopping the run. 
And I think if if Miami is able to stop the run, then they force Florida into third and long situations. And that's when this Miami defense is at its best. And that's when they feast. They they cause turnovers. The turnover chain comes out with interceptions and sacks and and pressures on the quarterback. And that's when Miami's defense is at its best. Uh, and then big picture-wise, too, within the game, if Miami's able to build a lead and force Florida or whoever they're playing into you know, trying to pass the ball more often to get back in the game, that also works into Miami's favor defensively as well. So, And I think, too, like you, you look at last year's games that Florida lost, uh, one of the things that kind of stood out in those games is they didn't necessarily have huge running game performances, and the game was kind of put in the hands of Felipe Franks to win the game. And he didn't necessarily have terrible games in those games, but it, it wasn't maybe good enough to, to win the game. And and like like I think you look at the Kentucky game, Luke. Um, you know, from your from your vantage point, how did Kentucky kind of squeak that win out? Because I feel like that's kind of the game plan Miami's going to have to follow in this in this year's opener. Well, Kentucky's offensive line was very good and they blew Florida off the Florida's defensive line off the ball and and Benny Snell running the ball was uh, was very effective. And I think that kind of ball control, lean on Benny, lean on that they actually had a talented offensive line and gave Florida some fits and um, I think that that is the way you know, that, that Kentucky ended up winning that contest. And I'll say, like, Miami's offensive line is a huge question mark. You could say, you could make the argument that Miami's offensive line is a bigger question mark than their quarterback spot, which is which is a big statement. But I think it is true. Um, you know, are their running backs as good as, as Kentucky's Benny Snell last year? No. But I think it's a good enough group. Like, I do think maybe they're on that Travis Homer type of talent level. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can go into this later, but I think that's, that's one of the interesting wrinkles that maybe quarterback transfer Tate Martell can bring into this game is, is he's kind of a dual threat guy and his running ability would be kind of an unknown that Florida would have to try and prepare for. And it also would give Miami another dynamic in that run game. So let's talk about that quarterback battle there in Miami, because when the news broke that Tate was transferring to Miami and that he was going to be eligible to play right away, I thought, yeah, this is going to be Miami's starting quarterback. This is who Florida's going to face week one. Then practice reports from Miami Hurricanes spring scrimmages and, and things start leaking out, and Tate is struggling mightily. And some had him third best quarterback in some of those uh, scrimmages. But I guess he had a better screen uh, spring game, I guess kind of what's the latest yeah. there and how do you see that quarterback battle shaking out uh, week for week one? Yeah, you're right. I mean, from what we saw during the first, I would say 14 practices that we could watch, you know, Tate was pretty up and down and he had his struggles with, with throwing the ball with accuracy and, you know, arm strength as well. And, you know, in one of the open scrimmages, it was it was pretty ugly, to be blunt. But in the spring game, he was able to work more out of the shotgun, which kind of fits his skill set more. And you could tell he was a lot more comfortable in that situation. And he had probably the best performance of those of the three quarterbacks competing for the starting job in that spring game. So I think in that spring game, he ended the, the spring on a high note, 
with some confidence. And we kind of all got to see, like, okay, if Tate Martell is the starting quarterback, it's going to have to be a, an offense that's out of the gun a lot, a lot of zone reads, and a lot of just Tate doing scramble drills, basically, and creating on his own. So, but before that spring game, I would have told you there's no way Tate Martell's going to be the starter because things were just that bad from what we saw earlier in the spring. But I think after that spring game, I do think now he's got a chance. And most likely he will end up being the starter. I think if it's not Tate, probably the guy who did have the most consistent month of spring football was Nikosi Perry, who started, you know, a lot of games last year, about six games, I think. And he, uh, you know, he had his up and downs as a starter last year. He had a comeback victory against Florida State, but then in the second half of the year, things unraveled a bit for him and the offense in general. But yeah, I mean, I think overall, I would probably expect Tate Martell to be the starter. But that thing is is definitely not over. And Manny Diaz says, look, he's not going to make a decision until two weeks out from the game, probably. Comparing Tate Martell and Nikosi Perry, it is Tate that that is the more dynamic runner, the yeah. quicker guy, the guy that you would have to account for his running ability if you're Florida's defense. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, Tate Tate is honestly, he's built like a running back. He has very good short area quickness. So his his long speed isn't like super fast. Like I think he runs probably in the 4.7 range for a 40. But his short area burst is very impressive. Like when he accelerates to his top speed, it's very fast. So, and Nikosi, you know, he's, he's kind of, like, he is kind of athletic, but he's more of a pocket guy. Like, he's not really looking to run. And he doesn't really have that feel to run like Tate Martell does. So, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for a quarterback that is going to bring that run dynamic to your offense, it's definitely going to be Tate Martell. So you're working on an article right now for 27, uh, 24-7 Sports where you're going to rank the top 50 players in this game, the Miami-Florida uh, game, and mixing them, uh, Florida-Miami players. Uh, where I guess what is your initial breakdown? How do you see these two teams matching up man for man, just player versus right. player? Yeah, that's why I wanted to do it, just kind of get an idea about how these rosters kind of stack up against each other. And to be honest, I think it's closer than maybe you would expect because, you know, Florida, and legitimately so, will enter this year as a top 10 team, and they should. Miami will not be ranked, and that's probably fair, too. Uh, Florida probably is more top-heavy, but honestly, Miami kind of can hang right there with them. I do have, you know, C.J. Henderson as the number one guy in the game. I think he's a first-round pick. You can lock that up, and he's one of the best corners in the country. Um, but I'll say the thing that stands out to me about this list is, like, for instance, I will I will not put any of Miami's quarterbacks on this list, and Felipe Franks will be on the list. So, and, and you know, quarterback is the most important position in all of sports, and I think that's a big difference between these two teams going into this game is, we kind of know what Florida has at quarterback going into this game, and we don't know what Miami has. It's a big question mark. And, um, you know, that's a big difference in the game. I think another interesting thing, too, but with this ranking is there's not really many offensive linemen on both teams. So 
I think that's going to be a, a weakness for both of these defenses to attack is is the offensive line. And, and who knows? I think maybe the offensive line that performs the best, maybe that's the team that ends up winning. Yeah, and I think you mentioned Felipe Franks, and Florida's hoping – uh, Florida fans are hoping he takes that next step. Felipe Franks, the first, I don't know, six weeks of the season, he'd make you pull your hair out, and, and he was frustrating. But he ended the season yeah. hot, and he was really good. And Florida hopes to see that Felipe Franks versus Miami. And, and I think that's why I'm a little confident on Florida being able to win this fairly handily. Yeah, um, I agree. And, and just the unknown there at Miami's at, at Miami's quarterback position. Uh, Nikosi Perry doesn't really scare me that much. Tate Martell's throwing ability doesn't really scare me that much. It, it's his legs that I would worry about there. Because right. um, that that's tough to defend no matter how good your defense is. It's just uh, a, a quarterback that can run and, and get chunks of yards. Um, another thing about Miami's roster is they hammered the the transfer market hard this offseason. Right. How much did those transfers change the complexion of Miami's roster? Are there any difference makers you think coming in uh, for Miami uh, out of those transfers? Yeah, in terms of guys that we already saw in the spring, I think one guy who's going to be a, a difference maker, uh, a starter for them, is wide receiver K.J. Osborne, who transferred in from Buffalo. He's a fifth-year senior. Last year, he had over 800 receiving yards. And, you know, he stepped in and was a, a veteran leader for the wide receiver group right away, which is kind of what Miami needed at that position. And then this summer, they were adding some key defensive guys like uh, Virginia Tech defensive end transfer Trevon Hill, who a lot of people are high on. Like, uh, say what you want about some of these preseason magazines, but Lindy's uh, ranked Trevon Hill as the number one NFL draft prospect in the ACC this year. And that's draft elig eligible guy. So that doesn't include like Trevor Lawrence, but still that speaks highly of uh, Trevon Hill's ability, I guess. They also added Bubba Bolden, a safety from USC, who as a high school guy, he was, I think, a top 50 recruit. Luke, did you ever see him? I know you get to see more national guys. Yeah, yeah. Bubba was a hard-hitting safety that just flew sideline to sideline just with reckless abandon. And, you know, it, that's a guy... I would assume would have he'll to... start. I would I would pencil him as a, as a starter. Um, they also added Chigozi Nunaruka, who was a, a defensive tackle from UCLA. I think Florida was trying to get involved there, too, but Miami kind of shut that down quick, and he decided to, to go to Miami. He's a guy who, I don't know if he'll start, but he'll definitely be in the playing rotation at defensive tackle. Um, yeah, I think those are the main guys, really. And then, of course, Tate Martell um, could be the starting quarterback. So, I mean, I think guys like Trevon Hill... Bubba Bolden and K.J. Osborne are going to be impact guys, and they definitely kind of elevate the roster with their additions. You touched on the defensive tackle from UCLA coming in and, and going to be in the rotation 
for Miami. I would say that's probably a weak spot for Miami, the interior of the defensive line. Whereas while Florida's offensive line is a question, I do think the interior of their offensive line is pretty good. I think Nick Buchanan, the center uh, for Florida, he's the lone returning starter, is a good player. I think Brett Heggie uh, at left guard is a good player. He just was hurt off and on last year. How do you see... how do you think Miami's interior defensive line, kind of where are they at right now? How do you see them being effective? Yeah, I think it is a, it's the biggest question on the defense in my mind. And I think there's talent there, but it's just kind of unknown talent. So, And you just never know before you see it. I think So what's made Manny Diaz's defenses effective since he's been at Miami is they've had pretty good defensive tackle play since he's been there. So they've had guys like, R.J. McIntosh, Kendrick Norton, last year Gerald Willis. Well, this year, there's not really anyone with experience that's there. Um, You know, John Ford is a junior who, you know, according to the coaches, probably had the best spring at defensive tackle. We didn't necessarily see it because he got an injury before all the scrimmages. Uh, Nesta Silvera was a top 50 recruit. He's entering his second year now. And, you know, it's it's time for him to, to play and, and we'll see what he's got. Um, and then there's just Pat Bethel, who's kind of a senior journeyman type, uh, you know, more of a depth guy. But it's those three and then the Naruka are going to be your top four defensive tackles. Um, you know, I think the guy you're looking at that who might be the best player there is John Ford. Um, is he going to be on the on the level of like an R.J. McIntosh, Kendrick Norton, Gerald Willis? We'll see. Uh, you know, those are some pretty big shoes to fill. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I will say this too about Miami's system is that it kind of lends, like it's it's pretty uh, favorable for defensive linemen. Like it just encourages them to get upfield as quickly as possible and, and wreak havoc in the backfield. So, and they do, these guys do have quickness and, and athleticism. They're just kind of on the smaller side. So you know, like I said earlier, it's it's those teams that can kind of play in the phone booth that give Miami's defensive line trouble. David, you watched several Florida games uh, this offseason, and one of the things you pointed out to me was that you were impressed with Dan Mullen's play calling on the offensive side of the ball. He's going against Blake Baker, Miami's new defensive coordinator. I assume my uh, Manny Diaz the head coach being a former defense coordinator will have his hands all over that defense as well. And so Baker and Mullen faced each other twice while Baker was at Louisiana tech and Mullen was at Mississippi state. Uh, let's see the, the games were, so Mullen put up 440 yards in 2015. It was a 45 to 20 win for Mississippi state over Louisiana tech 2017 Mullen's offense put up 459 yards. It was a 57, 21, uh, victory for Mississippi State. Obviously, two different levels of, you know, when you're comparing SEC team versus Louisiana Tech. But there is some familiarity there. I, I guess kind of what are your thoughts on those guys kind of going up against each other again? Is there a, an advantage one side or the other in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think it does help that there is familiarity there. I think, you know, something can be said, too. I mean, then this goes both ways with Dan Mullen, uh knowing Manny Diaz, Manny Diaz, knowing Dan Mullen, you know, Manny was on Dan Mullen's Mississippi State staff. So he certainly knows the offense that way too. But 
like I said earlier, Dan Mullen will know Manny Diaz's style of defense too. Um, I do think, so touching on Dan Mullen's play calling, it's just, it's very impressive to me, just the way he will uh, pick at a certain thing that he notices with a defense. Uh, Like say, for instance, he will hammer, if he sees the look, he will hammer the quick slant as much as possible. And then once the defense starts cheating up to stop the quick slant, he'll run a slant and go. And it's just a, it's an instant big play. And to me, he's just, he's very patient and methodical with his play calling. And he, know, he, he has that good instinct, that good timing of knowing when to, to call the big play. And more times than not, it, it connects. So it's, it's very impressive to me. And also, I think you got to give him a lot of credit for the way he's developed Felipe Franks. I know Miami fans probably don't think much of Felipe, and that's probably based off of what he looked like two years ago. And last year, you alluded to it, but last year he was a totally different guy, especially in the second half of the season. You know, he's now at the at the level where, you know, he's a he's a pretty good college quarterback. Um, you know, he's definitely. I don't know if he's is he a guy that can go out and win a game, uh, convert some key third downs when a defense knows, hey, it's third down and long, you got to pass the ball. I, I mean, don't Florida know fans are ho- Florida fans are hoping he takes that step right. this year. Uh, you know, I agree that there is some concern there. We haven't really seen, can he put the team on his back and, and carry them uh, with his passing ability? We haven't seen that yet, uh, but, you know, we would, that, that's what Florida fans would want. But I do think like he's better than what Miami fans think. Like Miami think fans think he is what he was two years ago. He's not that guy. He's gotten a lot better. And I think if you watch, I mean, the spring game, who knows what you can take from a spring game because, you know, there's a lot of walk-ons out there playing. But he was, he was making some impressive throws in that spring game. And I think, too, you have to, you also have to talk about what Florida has at the skill talent. And, you know, there's not many games where I'm going to say, hey, the team Miami's playing against has better skill talent than Miami. But I think that's the case with this Florida team. I, I really like their their receiver group is talented and deep. And I'm a big fan of their tight end group, too. And, you know, I think Miami's skill talent is very good as well. Um, so certainly that will help Felipe look good, too, with those guys who can run and catch. Sure. Van Jefferson for Florida wide receiver, I think, is a, a surefire NFL guy. A guy we saw a lot in high school was Trayvon Grimes, and it yeah. feels like to me that he is kind of coming into his own uh, right now as a player. We saw he was just bigger and faster than everybody in high school, and I, we've talked about this a lot. He was kind of just a nine-route guy, you know, just run down right. the field, go catch it. Uh, I, he feels like he looks like he's gotten even taller and obviously even bigger, and he just he's running better routes. I feel, and I. I think if he there's a chance he could have a breakout season this year. Those two guys are, are great players for Florida on the outside at the wide receiver spot. And then you have guys like Freddie Swain and Josh Hammond who are just kind of steady Eddie, Mr. Consistency. Yeah. And they're out Darius there. Tony. Yeah. There, there's Tyree Cleveland, Kyle Pitts. I mean, it's, I, it's pretty stacked in my mind. Tell me this. How much do you – like I think if Florida wants to go like four wide – for a lot of the game, I think 
that's where Miami will have some matchup problems because they have, like, I feel fairly good about their three corners, but their fourth corner, I don't know. I mean, we'll, to me, that's a big question mark for this team going into the into this season. How much does Dan Mullen go, like, four or five wide? Does he do that, or is it more like, I mean, he, he likes to run the ball. Does he? Is he? Just yeah, he. I mean, he likes to run the ball. I I agree with you. If they if Florida were to do to go for wide, there's some mismatches that Florida can exploit. And one of those, uh, you hit on a little bit at the tight end spot. But he's I, I don't know if he's a tight end or a wide receiver. He was recruited as a tight end. Is Kyle Pitts, who had a huge spring. He yeah. con- consistently works. They split him out wide, put him in the slot, move him around. He's a big fast athletic guy who is a unique piece that I I'm interested to see how Mullen uses him uh, this year and and see if his role within the offense uh, uh, grows. But like a guy like that, no doubt, like he can, like we said, he was recruited as a tight end. So you can keep him in as a tight end if you'd want. He just hasn't been used much as a tight end at Florida. Um, So no doubt, like I, I think, if Florida wants to spread it out and they trust Felipe uh, enough, uh, you know, they feel he's he's taken that next step as a quarterback. Uh, there's no doubt. I feel like to Florida. Me, like that's going to tell me a lot about like, just early on. That's going to be one of the things I'm looking for is, you know, because Miami, like if Miami's looking at last year's tape, they're just going to key in on stopping the run. And like, okay, make Felipe beat us. But if Florida comes out and says, hey, we're going to sling it this year. Miami should probably be worried. <laughs> I think that means that Florida is going to have a really good offense this year, if that's the case. Yeah. Uh, trying to ch- sort of changing gears a little bit. A little off-season trash talk heading into this game. I, I guess it was, I don't know, maybe may I'm wrong. I thought Miami may have first shot across the bow when your K.J. Osborne committed had a little C.J. Henderson being stiff-armed to the ground on the graphic, on his commitment graphic. Right, right. Yeah, and I forgot then, about that one. That was, <laughs> that was like, I think that might have been from the school or from the program. I don't know. Yeah, but, I'm yeah. pretty sure that was from the University of Miami. That Like, it wasn't just a random, right. you know, graphics guy that, that he found on Twitter or something. Uh, and then Florida defensive end Andrew Chatfield made some comments uh, to the media. Uh, I, I'm sure there's been some Twitter back and forth seems like Florida players love getting on Twitter and, and taking shots at people. What are your thoughts on the trash talk heading into this game? Do you like it? It's yeah. cool. <laughs> I think it's fun. I like it. And, you know, I think there is, like like you mentioned Bubba Bolden, I think there is, it's going to be interesting when he gets to UM, like I think there is some kind of, like I don't know the details, but I think there's some kind of bad blood maybe with him and Trevin Grimes from their, they played in high school. Yeah, they, yeah. those two, play the, even though one's from Vegas and one's from Fort Lauderdale, they those two played a big marquee game uh, versus one another. I think Bolden might have made a big play against Grimes. I don't know. It, maybe I have that wrong. Maybe he made it against Mike Harley, who's on Miami's team. But, yeah, I think Tate Martell's talked about it. But he said, yeah, you know, I, I talk a lot to Mike Harley about that game. And I think if Bubba Bolden – gets an opportunity to get a shot in on Trevin Grimes, even during the game. It, it's going to get chippy. Um, yeah, well, I, think, I think it's fun. The first time I saw Bubba Bolden play, it was on TV as a TV game. I think it was his sophomore year. And he got back-to-back personal fouls on, uh, you know, targeting hits right. uh, or late hits or something like that. So 
and the guy likes to run his mouth. He's a he's a big hitter, and uh, you know I I have no doubt uh, there's going to be some chirping going on. And I think too, you know, Andrew Chatfield he said something to the effect of, you know, we saw what Miami did when they played an SEC team, alluding to how they got beat pretty good by LSU. And you know, of course, that's going to upset Miami fans, but it's pretty fair and and really. If Miami wants to be motivated by that, they should be. Um, you know, they should want to prove themselves against SEC teams because the SEC conference is the standard in college football. So I think while, you know, Andrew Chaffield certainly threw shade at Miami, but there was some truth behind it. And I think it's fair. And I think it's also fair for Miami to, to kind of be motivated by that, too. We have three months until the, the kickoff. I'm here for all the trash talk. Uh, yes. Little, little midfield. Uh, gathering before kickoff as well would be welcome i, I think yeah. too like if tate martell is the quarter he if he does start it's going to be fun that way too because he's gonna sure he has a lot of swagger <laughs> <laughs> all right so this game uh two obviously these, these guys these two teams go up against each other on the recruiting trail uh with all these kids from around the state of florida how much do you think this game will impact recruiting. Will it have an impact at all with, you know, when these two teams do go up against each other, trying to recruit players uh, Will the winner of will the winner of this team get a leg up or. I think, you know, we talked about it earlier, but I think, so there's some big offensive line targets where they're battling uh, guys like Isaiah Walker, who's down in Miami uh, he's committed to South Carolina, but Miami and Florida are probably the two favorites to flip him, I think. Um, yeah. Gerald Mincy, he's probably, I would say he's probably a Florida lean. Is that fair? Yeah, I'd probably say Florida lean, but it's probably Florida or Miami would be the, uh, one of the two choices there for him. And then Jalen Rivers, who knows, he might commit before that game, but mm-hmm. it's probably Florida or Miami right now, too, for him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think recruiting stuff in a single game situation, it kind of gets blown out of proportion. But I think in a big picture sense, yeah, it does have a big impact because it'll have a big impact on the season. So, you know, if Miami does somehow pull off an upset against Florida, it could really boost Miami's chances with landing some big time recruits and it could really hurt Florida season and the momentum that Dan Mullins built with this program uh, coming off last year. I think, too, you know, and both programs wanted this, but uh, it, it definitely is going to be a showcase game, only show in town, being week zero, all eyes, you know, around the country, not just the state of Florida, but correct. everyone's going to be watching this game. So certainly all eyes are going to be on this game. And I think if a team is impressive in that game, it's going to help them on the recruiting trail. And it may not necessarily. You mentioned a lot of the 2020 recruits, uh, and it may not just be them. They're 2021, sure. 2022. I think the perception, whoever wins, it, it gives them a little bit of a leg up yes. for those for those targets in state that that those two teams will will be after. I agree. I mean, perception is reality in a lot of ways, and you know, even if even if the team wins by one point. You know, a win's a win. <laughs> and recruits mine, yeah, it's just going to be that team's better. Yeah, absolutely. All right, David, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, 
Yeah, we'll have to do it again. We, we can get more into detail as, as the weeks move on and the game gets closer. But yeah, I think this was a good kind of big picture touch on, on the game and it'll be fun. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Make sure you follow us. Uh, give us likes. Give us five stars. And we'll be back later. Have a good one.